0: The Gunning Truth with Ronnie, in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. Episode 3 of The Gunning Truth, the pre-season till now. Uh, Even though I'm very excited on things to come, you know, little things that we've noticed with changes to our various transfer policies especially last season, in the type of players that we are trying to attract to the club. And a slight change now where it's more uh, known players, other than Vieira, of course, and Matt Turner plays for the United States, so you can't say he's unknown, but it's not a top-class second goalkeeper that's experienced in Europe. And then uh, with Vieira, you've got someone that's uh, obviously well-known in Portugal, uh, very highly rated, even by the opposition supporters, Benfica, Sporting Lisbon. They had rave reviews and they are actually happy that he's no longer playing for Porto because he's quite a player there. And then you've got uh, Gabriel Jesus and the soon-to-be Oleksandr Zinchenko. I really look forward to seeing him play. It's. Uh, I made a joke the other day that there's going to come a time where Arsenal are taking so long with... Uh, transfers or letting us know that it's official that you're going to eventually just see one of these players rock up at the stadium and sit next to Edu And uh, that's exactly what happened in yesterday's preseason friendly. But the thing that concerns me, and there's quite a few aspects uh, with it being around about two weeks before we played Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park on the 5th of August, is uh, some things are still the same. I don't know if it is that we are a nice club. Uh, We've got certain values, which other clubs don't have. uh, And I am specifically referring to uh, the skimped Barcelona. And uh, we are seemingly continuing to play lazy players that's hearts are not in it anymore. And that's what frustrated me. And it's thank goodness I didn't wake up one o'clock at night. And by the way, it was storming in Orlando. So the game kicked off around about an hour and a half after the scheduled time. So uh, the likes of Pablo Murray, and you don't want to criticise too early into preseason, and it's actually not early in preseason because everything is happening quick. We are playing in just over two weeks' time on the 5th of August, a Friday night game at Selhurst Park against Patrick, Patrick Riera's Crystal Palace, and they gave us problems in both games, 180 minutes, of problems that we had against them last season. And uh, we've got the likes of Pablo Murray starting. Uh, Pablo Murray, Tavares and Holding were absolutely disgraceful yesterday against uh, Orlando City team that the American commentator couldn't stop uh, complaining about the fact that they've had four games in the last 10 days and they still have something like, including the Arsenal game, six games in this next period of 20 or 21 or 22 days. So, yes, they played their relatively strong squad, Orlando City, uh, but that's besides the point. It's now not anymore about certain players are not quite there yet. The players that actually looked poor yesterday are players that's been, since the beginning of uh, preseason. they've been there because they're not good enough to play for their countries, so they haven't been in those late international breaks. So the players that annoyed me this morning, when I got up at six o'clock to watch this game, uh, all the likes of Holding, Pablo Murray, who's the others, Maitland Niles, uh, again a lot of lazy passes again in that first half from him, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it in terms of the players that annoyed me. But uh, yeah, that's the whole point of everything. Uh, we basically in a situation where I don't know if we're trying to keep them fit. For them to be able to be put into the transfer window, uh, uh, they good attributes, but all I've seen in the two to three games so far are their negative attributes. Murray and Holding were atrocious. Cedric, I don't know, we are playing with inverted wing backs or, 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 or full backs. However, it's Tavares and Cedric that's both so high up the field, and then you've got El Neni who's relatively slow this stage of the preseason. And Sammy and Maitland-Niles has got a bit of pace about him. But it's a slow midfield. And now you've got Marion Holding, who's also slow. And you've got your fullbacks bombing up and down. I know it's preseason, but it's the same things that happened in key games as well with these players over the last couple of years. I'm starting to get annoyed with that now. It's time to move on from these players. Stop being nice. And, yeah, you can now maybe say we are trying to get rid of them. We have to play them in preseason to get them fit. However, we are actually showcasing how bad they are in the games. And night and day, the difference in quality, especially with the tempo that was increased in the second half, you've got hungry players that's interested in, in, you know, portraying the absolute best, even when their fitness levels are less so than the team that played in the first half. Pepe, again, going nowhere slowly or fast in this case. So... Nketia, Martinelli, they were okay in the first half. But we've still got that same problem and we haven't actually improved on the style of midfielders that we want for this style that we are trying to play with, where the one uh fullback is more inverted player, so he's a little bit more, how can I say, it's uh, joining the, the, the two defenders to make it the back three while the other one attacks. Not generally both. At the same time, but when Cedric and Tavares plays, they are both bombing forward, which leaves whoever is our holding midfielder and the two centre-backs. So if it's Gabriel, White and Saliba, that's going to be fine. And obviously Thomas ahead of them because they are quality players that know how to track back, especially when uh, full-backs uh, are bombing forward to join the attack. So uh, those are little things that I've picked up and some things that are annoying me at this moment in time with Arsenal. But yes, you can play devil's advocate and say that they are looking to put these guys in the shop window. But now from my side, I am coming from a different angle and saying that they are actually showing off their worst uh, when it comes to this games because it's not really quality players in the Orlando team. I know Pato played for them as well, but he's also not... Really, what he used to be at AC Milan, especially. So, it's not as if they had a lot of threats. I think their number 19 uh, showed quite a bit and uh, one or two passes, and you bypass the midfield because the fullbacks are so high up the field. And then you've got El Neni, who is, I-, I won't say very slow, but just on uh, in transition, especially. you If you've watched the game, the American commentator kept on talking about Orlando when they are in transition. Then you know, they are actually creating problems, and it's problems that wasn't there in the second half, maybe once, and then Saliba looked magnificent. But uh, the preseason till now, uh, concerning things, that it's the same thing of every preseason where there's quite a few players in a specific half of football, you know that takes the gloss off uh, of the performance that we had. But it is pre-season, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that will feel that you can't really criticise so much in pre-season. But my situation is we are trying to get better as a football club. And it's a very compact season that's coming up with a World Cup in November or November, December. So you've got a certain period of time where there's going to be football. I think there might actually be an international break as well. So you're going to be breaking down the first seven months of the season into minute pieces and we need to start well so that we cannot be in a situation where we have no points after nine games. I don't think that's going to happen because I feel the starting 11 is strong enough and maybe let's say I think we have about 13 or 14 players. So you've got three or four players off the bench that, that's actually of good quality, but we still have those little gaps and I do understand we need to offload, but I come back to my initial point whereby... You are trying to play these players that's very likely not going to be here. Well, I'm hoping not going to be here. And you're putting them in the shop window in games against lesser opposition and they still look poor. So I can't see where you're going to get the extra billion or two for these players. So hopefully there is work being done on the outgoings because there's lots of newspaper reports now that after Zinchenko's confirmed that there needs to be outgoings first, And it sounds like Arteta alluded to that as well in his press conference. So we are looking to bring in more players. However, we need to offload. And I will deal with that shortly. Our new signing, or shall I say our next signing, Oleksandr Volodymyrovich Zinchenko. What an amazing middle name. Uh, This guy is born on the 15th of December, 1996, so that makes him 25 at this moment in time. I'm not going to even try to pronounce his place of birth, but it's somewhere in the Ukraine. Seen as an attacking midfielder, left back and left wing back. So I'm hoping we're going to be playing him, uh, obviously, if Tierney isn't fit, then uh, left back, but I would like us to hopefully try him out at that left-central midfield position. So if we're playing a single-pivot 4-3-3, on the left, I would love to see Zinchenko because I think we can confuse teams. And I think I've seen Scotland do this in the Euros last season, uh, whereby they had, I think they had like three players that plays left-back in a 3-4-3 formation. And they used them on the left side. So I think it was Robertson, another left-back, and Tierney. So we must actually do that uh, formation whereby it's going to be Tierney and Zinchenko that interchanges in that left-central midfield position. And then obviously you've got Martinelli on that side as well if we are not buying a expensive left or right winger, whereby Saka can also then go to the left. And uh, we can actually confuse teams on that left, and I feel our left side is going to be so much stronger for that. I still want us to get a proper left-central midfielder. 1.75 metres tall, so 5 foot 9 inches. Uh, a player that I really like. I wasn't 100% comfortable with the links of Lissandro Martinez and Manchester United supporters will now obviously try and use this as one of the few things that they can to trump uh, opposition fans when they start using players that they have paid 10 to 15 million pounds over the odds to get. Uh, So I was never in for the short uh, Lissandro Martinez. I was a bit concerned because we actually have a team that's starting to look like we have like players in the 1.8 to 1.9 meter tall players. So out of that Wenger era where he chose the small technical players. So it seems like we've got quite a few tall players. Salaba and Gabriel, Ramsdale. And then you get the in-between like Tierney, Ben White. So they're not too short, but not too tall either. And they hopefully have a good spring on them. Hopefully that can develop with time as well. But more on uh, Zinchenko. uh, In his youth career, he played at a youth sportive school in Karpatia. Also in the Ukraine. And then there's absolutely no chance I'm going to be able to say out the second club that he played for in his youth career. But uh, he's obviously well known for having played at Shakhtar Donetsk. So my Ukrainian uh, way of saying that is not too bad. Uh, In his senior career, he played for Ufa. I think that might be a Ukrainian team. 31 appearances, two goals. And then from there on, inwards. other than for the Ukraine, he has never scored a senior club goal. So from 2016, when he joined Manchester City, only 76 appearances. So that means a lot of appearances off the bench. He was on loan at PSV. So that was right in the beginning when he joined Manchester City. 12 matches, no goals. And then he also played for Young PSV, which is obviously the under-23 or under-21 version of the club. And then he obviously represented Ukraine from under-16 level. And he seems to have scored quite regularly at international level. Eight goals in 52 games. And he's obviously the national captain. So we're starting to get quite a few national captains in our team. Odegaard, Zhaka and Zinchenko. I don't think any of the other guys are captains of their national teams. But, uh, that's a good thing. We've got some leadership qualities in uh, Alexander Zinchenko and it's very, very good to have him at our club. I think he's going to be excellent, especially on that left side, which I feel was quite weak at times. We used to have uh, when uh, Thomas Partey was injured and Zhaka had kind of two rolls to fill, And Tierney Thier- uh, yeah, was injured, Tavares wasn't playing too well. I felt uh, it was quite weak on that side. And then similar on the right side, where it felt like Saka had too much work to do with Cedric bombing up and down. I don't know what what's up with the Cedric guy, but he's not the answer. And it seems like he's going to be the right fullback for the at least for this upcoming season because Tomiyasu is still not even anywhere near uh, pre-season training. We've obviously seen him in the States in the pictures, but I don't see uh, uh, Tomiyasu is actually becoming one of my favorite players, but annoyingly still struggling with uh, calf problems and hip problems on both sides. So it's not just the one side, left side, it was the right side as well. But uh, yeah, I give this a thumbs up. It's somebody that I would have preferred. Let's say we were still in for Lissandro Martinez and he didn't end up going to Man United. It's someone that I would have preferred anyway above Lissandro Martinez. And obviously, Premier League ready has won Premier Leagues with Manchester City. So it's a winning mentality. And then, of course, we do know the difficult situation in the Ukraine. So it just feels like there's a character there to Zinchenko. So I'm hoping that I'm recording this on Thursday morning. I'm hoping that by Friday this will be announced. Arsenal loves a after 5pm South African time Friday announcement. So I'm hoping that will be done. I wouldn't be mad if they announced it today. Because, I mean, we saw the guy sitting yesterday, or shall I say this morning, at the Orlando Stadium against Orlando City. So very excited for Zinchenko. I really do hope that, uh, well, it makes sense that we do need to have outgoings before we sign more players. But I think it's something to be excited by. The type of signings that we are doing, they might not be superstars. We're not in the Champions League, so it's very difficult to attract superstars. But I feel Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus, and they had a very good relationship at Manchester City. I feel that together they can push us towards that goal of third place. I'm not interested in fourth, I want third, and I want the Europa League win. So there we go. Alexander Zinchenko, welcome to the Arsenal. As I just want to delve into the preseason games. I'm not going to go into the Nuremberg game, but more the US tour. Uh, the Everton game, once again, the Everton game and the Orlando games can both be uh, analyzed as one off. You would have a stronger team. And then the other half, you would have the guys that I felt that the heart isn't in it because of what's being portrayed on the field, a lazy type of a slow type of uh, body language. And it just seems like they are not in it to be at the Arsenal Football Club. And that is something that really annoys me. But how about we go through the games? So first we had, when we got to the States, we have had the game against Everton. I thought Everton were absolutely shocking, but uh, let's give Arsenal a bit of credit. The way they started, they obviously had a strong starting lineup. The much maligned Turner was in goal, and then uh, fullbacks were Cedric and Tavaresh, and then we had the wonderful Saliba and Gabriel partnership, which I thought was absolutely excellent. Maybe once I think calvert Lewin got uh, got a little bit of you know got got a little bit of light, as they say. And then we had this, some people can call it single pivot, where Thomas Partey portrayed that role, and then to the left was Jaka, and then more towards Sacker uh, was Odegaard. I feel that he portrays the number eight role, uh, where he's more towards the right of the two midfielders that's ahead of the single pivot. So he tends to play quite close to Saka and they've got quite a good relationship there. And uh, you can look at it as Jacques playing closer to Martinelli. So Jacques and Oregard ahead of Thomas in midfield. And then on the right wing, Saka, left wing, Martinelli and Jesus, Gabriel Jesus up front in a, what I like to call a 4-1, 4-1 formation. But it's, there's, there's so many ways that you can dissect the formation that we're trying to play. Let's just call it fluid. Uh, again, the concern was the the role of the fullbacks because it can be seen as a positive or a negative. If you've got inverted fullbacks, one of them has to stay. But when Tavares and Cedric are the fullbacks, neither of them stays. And that's why there's problems. However, when you've got Thomas Partey in the single pivot, Gabriel Magayesh at left-center-back and William Saliba, or... Benjamin White, then it's okay. Then both fullbacks can do whatever they want. Then I don't care because you've got a solid base of Thomas Partey, Gabriel Magayesh and William Saliba. So that was fine. That's why we looked good because those three looked good. They looked strong and uh, quite physical. Uh, Everton again, again, overboard. I hate playing English teams in preseason because there's scope for injuries and in generally when we play English teams, Premier League teams, in pre-season, there's a serious injury. And Jesus and Martinelli both had some clattering tackles. So in the first half, Jesus scored in the 33rd minute. He looked excellent, looked energetic, looked like he wanted to be at the club. And that was completely different in the second half. And then Saka scored three minutes later. So we looked really good. The press was good. Uh, even though, again, I keep on mentioning it, the fullbacks, Tavaraj and Cedric are not going to be our starting fullbacks, hopefully. But uh, I don't think they bring across a proper message when it comes to the way that uh, that uh, Arteta wants to play. I think he would prefer Tierney and Tommy Yasu. Obviously, we all would. And they uh, one of them would bomb on and one would be the inverted uh, wing-back with the two centre-backs. So that's a, a kind of a technical uh, item Related to Arsenal's play. So, once again, it's clear that the fullbacks are going to be important because if Thomas Partey is fit, Gabriel Saliba, Benjamin White, then we are solid when it comes to this inverted style of play. In the second half, holding for Tavares, Bellerin for Cedric, Elnani for Thomas, Maitland Niles for Udegaard, Pepe for second, and Ketia for Gabriel Jesus. So, what I noticed was we went to a back three. So, the moment the second half started, I started to analyze the positioning of the players. And Turner, obviously, was still in goal for the start of the second half. And when Holding came on, we actually revert to a back three. So Gabriel at left centre-back through the middle was Holding and Saliba on the right. And then it what was interesting, you could look at it as Bellerin as that inverted right-back, but he was pushing a little bit more forward. You had Nani in front of the back three. And then you had on the left side, uh, Martinelli, who was technically a left-wing back, but he was obviously quite far forward because of the fact that we had these four guys that was protecting. So Gabriel was moving towards left-back. Holding stayed solid. Saliba stayed solid. And you had El Nani that could fall back while Bellerin and Martinelli pushed up. And then you had Xhaka and Maitland-Niles, the furthest midfielders. And then you had a front two of Pepe and Enketia. So maybe not the names, but... The idea behind a, a three it looks like a three, three, two, two type of formation, or you can just call it three, five, two, three, five, two, but I call it a three, three, two formation three, three, two, two formation uh, that gives us 10 players outside of the goalkeeper. So it was interesting, but it, uh, the type of players didn't portray the roles, and these are again a couple of players that I don't want to see. And then, yeah, it wasn't a very good second half because, once again, the players that didn't have their heart in it, those are the guys that basically played in the second half. So, interesting tactically from Arteta, with a three at the back, that that is something that we're going to look at, hopefully, for the bigger teams away from home. But we need to have the right players, and everybody needs to be fit for us to be able to play with a back three in a possible difficult away game. So that's my thoughts on the Everton game. There isn't much thoughts, to be honest, because once again, unfortunately, I'm that type of person where I actually get irritated by this thing where Arsenal are allowing players. That's probably not going to be a Still, with two weeks to go from preseason, they are still playing. But that's just me. And then this morning's game, Orlando City in the thunderstorm of Orlando against the Arsenal. We started off with Ramsdale in goal, and then we played a back four once again. We've got Cedric and Tavares, the fullbacks, and then <laughs> you can't. This is the worst centre-back pairing ever in the history of the world. Pablo Murray at left centre-back and Holding, They were absolutely atrocious. Oof, absolutely shocking. And then you had Elneny in the single pivot, and then Sambi and maitland Isles playing quite far up the field. And there was no support. Tavares is bombing up. Cedric is bombing up. No support for Marion holding. So, yes, they are already not good one-on-one defensively. And now you've got just Al Nelly protecting them. Tavares, Sambi, maitland Niles, and Cedric all bombing on. Martinelli and Ketia and Pepe And Ketia looked good. Probably not out of the two previous games. He didn't play that well, even though he scored. But uh, in terms of his hold-up play... Wasn't too bad, but the mere fact that there was such a lot of uh, single passes through our midfield, uh, due to the fact that Samley and Maitland-Hals are too far up the pitch, there was too much space between the midfield. In fact, there was too much space between the defence, the midfield, and the attack in this formation. And that's why we look disjointed most of the time. I know the commentator said we played well for the first 10 to 15 minutes or so, but then Orlando started getting into the game. Only got into the game because of the type of players that was playing in the formation. The formation does work if our key players are fit. Who are our key players? Thomas Partey, Kiran Tierney, and hopefully now Zinchenko for the left side, and we need Tommy Yasso to play. And if those guys are going to continue having injuries, we're going to need to look at, uh, uh, especially on the Tommy Yasso situation, because Cedric is not working in either of the formations that I've seen that we wanted to play. So we need to somehow move on. I know we can't sell everybody, but we need to move on from Cedric. Holding was captain. I don't even want to start getting into this captaincy. I'm okay. I'm okay with Holding being at the club. Uh, from uh, I'm sure we're going to see in the documentary the likes of Holding and Elneny. And even, I think, Cedric off the field. They are excellent for the squad. However, I... Uh, I they are not going to take us forward, especially if we are looking to get into the Champions League and then obviously from there try and push to be able to challenge the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City over the next couple of years. Early goal deflected, fifth minute by Martinelli. Uh, the commentator said that Holding got booked for challenge early on, but uh, according to the stats, the referee never actually gave him a yellow card. Should have gotten the yellow card. And uh, Maitland Niles also got a yellow card as well. It's all these players that does the same mistakes, especially when in transition. Same mistakes that they've always done. So it's got nothing to do with I'm not fit. It's preseason. It's the same type of mistakes. And that's what was a very frustrating first half. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Orlando City scored in the 29th minute. Decent goal, but once again, shocking defending. And the midfield was nowhere. Fullbacks were nowhere. Tavares was playing as a left striker. Most of the time. And then the second half, things changed. Uh, Lovely kit, by the way. I got mine as well. Absolutely beautiful black kit. Uh, Love it. Turner came on for Ramsdale in the second half. Jesus for Martinelli. Odegaard for Maitland-Niles. Gabriel Magayesh for Pablo Murray. Benjamin White, first appearance for Cedric. Thomas for Elneny. Jaka for Sambi. Saliba for Holding. Saka for Pepe. And immediately we looked good in that second half. So it seemed like we were going Ramsdale, obviously, at the back in goal. And then Benjamin White, inverted right back, holding Gabriel. And then Tavares, as I call him the left striker, left wing back. And then Elneny, the deepest midfielder, with Sambi and Odegaard closest to Nketiah, was on the left wing, Pepe is still on the right wing, and Gabriel Jesus up front. And then obviously not long after, there were more substitutions. Uh, We ended off with Nketiah. Quite a nice goal. So our goals that we're scoring, it's actually good bold-up play and a lot of energy from our forwards. So I'm starting to enjoy that. Saka looks sharp. Nelson actually looks sharp as well. So from the players that I feel are not quite in our plans, uh, they actually... Well, only Nelson looks good. Furthermore, Pablo Murray and these guys... No, not for me. So Nelson got a nice goal in the 80th minute. And then I think after that, Bellerin came on for Tavares, whereby we changed formation yet again. But nothing to write home about. There there are good signs, uh, but it's very difficult to judge Arsenal. I think we can start judging Arsenal after Sunday's game against Chelsea. So we are playing Chelsea yet again. I think this is like the fifth time in the last six years that we are playing Chelsea in pre-season. I don't know what's going on with that. But uh, I think that's where we're going to kind of see, maybe for 60 minutes or so, see our strongest team. And then probably a little bit longer in the Emirates Cup the week later, because then we play. I think we've got one behind, closed doors friendly after the Emirates Cup. Uh, And then it's the following Friday, it's going to be Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. So we're getting there. It's fast approaching. It just seems like we need to start getting our our outgoings and I will be discussing what I feel about the outgoing situation next. So I've compiled a possible Arsenal sales list and um, unfortunately, this is the part where Arsenal irritates, frustrates. Uh, I've noticed, I've actually made like little notes of business that the likes of Liverpool, I like to use them. As an example of a club that can sell quite well. Uh, for example, they just recently sold a player, a centre-back, that they barely played. I think he played once, they bought him from Preston North End, and they sold him, they bought him for like two million, and they sold him for four million plus add-ons to Rangers. They consistently are selling youth players that's barely played Carling Cup games for 20 million plus. And uh, because Arsenal's wage structure was so messed up, they are striving to sell players because we as fans, we don't want to be accountants, but we don't take into account the high wage package for the buying club. So we are the selling club. We're trying to get rid of these players on exorbitant wages. And we are also trying to get a decent transfer fee so that we can then use that money to be able to plug our gaps ourselves. But uh, a, a short list, of players that I think that we're going to try to to move on. Now, the first name is Lucas Torreira. He was a seen pictured training. He was asked to come, even though there's some sort of an agreement. I don't know how you can have an agreement if there's a certain fee uh, for a player with Valencia who doesn't have money themselves. But I'm hoping that we can get around about £10 million for him. So we're looking at 7 to €8 million. Euros. Uh, we have to take into account the wages. Once again, a player that's not been uh, favoured that much and he doesn't like seem to like England and he hasn't gotten on well uh, with his teammates. Or that's what he says. So £10 million for him. I've got uh, Pepe. I think we're going to only be able to loan him due to the, the high wage. And Arsenal's obviously going to probably have to pay 52, if not 70% of his wages to get him off the books. Maitland Niles, I'm hoping for 12 million because he's homegrown. He's an English player. I think he's a youth World Cup winner. So, we're hoping that we can get from a Premier League team 12 million. We're not going to get anywhere near that for a team outside of Europe due to the wages and the fee. And then Bellerin, I'm thinking that he's going to go out on loan to Batiste uh, up until the end of his contract. And then he's going to have to waiver that loyalty bonus fee to be able to get these moves uh, because some of these players, they've got a loyalty bonus fee that they get into their contracts if they run their contract down and if they haven't caused ructions within the club. Pablo Murray, I don't think we're going to get anywhere near 7.5 million for him. So I think that uh, if that's not the fee, then he's probably going out on loan or he's going to be still here next season. Leno, I know Arsenal are trying to get around about 10 million for him. Is on 100,000 plus per week. And once again, I don't know why Fulham, uh, the owner is the owner of AEW Dynamite, the wrestling promotion that's spending so much money on wrestlers, and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they've got money. I don't know why they can't pay 10 to 11 million pounds for Leno. And I'm sure he's going to take a pay cut, maybe 80,000 pounds a week. And then I'm hoping that Nelson, whose form has been decent, that we can maybe get a 12 million Maybe he can go to Feyenoord or maybe Ajax is interested in him if they sell Anthony to Manchester United. So there is in the vicinity of 50 to 60 million that we can possibly make, I doubt it, but there will be probably half a million pounds per week, if not more, off the wage bill due to the high wages that these type of players portray. And then, yeah, I can't see us doing a surprise big sale in terms of a player that we would like to keep. So uh, the only players that I think of value, and I don't think they're going anytime soon, that uh, that will be sold is the likes of Saka. Because maybe Arsenal don't show enough ambition in the next couple of years, and maybe insert some clause into his contract, whereby there is a release clause of close to £100 million. So that Arsenal can hopefully... Uh, get something back if it is that it doesn't work. The project doesn't work for Saka, but not now. Hopefully, Saliba and Bukayo Saka can both extend their contracts so that we can extract more and maximum value from them. So once again, based on those fees, it's very low fees, but you've got to take into account the, the standard of player that we're trying to sell and the standard of these players on high wages. And that is the problem, especially for European clubs. They cannot afford the wages that the Premier League clubs are giving to these substandard players. So it's frustrating. And it could be that Arsenal has to offload one or two to be able to bring in the likes of Tillemont from Leicester City or Paqueta from Lyon. I don't believe the Malinkovic-Savage links. And I don't believe the Leroy Sané links at this moment in time. So that's where Arsenal stand. And hopefully we can get players out after confirming Zinchenko in in the next week so that we can maybe have some excruciatingly wonderful right winger, hopefully Sané, which I don't believe. I still don't believe he's coming to Arsenal. But uh, by the time that the Emirates Cup has taken place, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, uh, then we can actually have a very exciting football club. If we can get, after Zinchenko, get that left-sided midfielder in, like a Tillemont, and then get a wide forward in, then I think we are going to be cooking this upcoming season. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gunning Truth in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Supporters Club. I feel that even though we can have Little bits to be excited by. We still have some work to do. It's two weeks, two weeks, three days, two weeks, two days to go before we play Crystal Palace and everything needs to lead towards that. Beating Chelsea is not important. Beating Sevilla in the Emirates Cup is not important. Finalising outgoings and getting one or two more players in. That's what's going to be important. Hope you guys listen next week. Keep safe, keep well and we will be here next Thursday. Thanks, guys.